Hey guys, quick announcement video coming at you. Uh, I I don't have my my favorite camera guy. He's uh he left me, so I have to use my phone. That's why we're here. I'm on my phone. Announcement time this Friday is our Christmas VBS. It's called Jingle Jam. It's going to be a great evening for the kids. Everyone, everyone, we need volunteers. And also, this is really important. We really, we're, we're asking you, please register to volunteer through our app. This helps us out tremendously. Uh, we try to background check all of our volunteers that work with our children. The children are very important to us. So if you can register through our app, that makes that process much easier. So please do that. It's not too late to sign your kids up either. You can register on our app and uh, kids three to 11. Uh, we're asking our volunteers to be there around five. And then the event is going to start at six. Those who do volunteer, hey, we got food for you, okay? It's hot dogs, but it is delicious. Hot dogs and chips, won't want to miss that. Please volunteer, sign up through the app. Also coming up this month, we have a baptism at Bea Honda. We'll be there at 9 a.m. on December 10th. Okay, that's a Saturday morning. Uh, register for that through the app as well. If you've never been baptized, super important that you do sign up, join us. It's nice and chilly, so you'll remember it. You won't, you won't forget it. That's for sure. So do that. Uh, other events coming up. We partner with Presents in Paradise to give our local kids presents. So please uh, bring unwrapped gifts or a gift card here at church and we'll make sure our local kids who need help get it. And they're a great organization, Presence in Paradise. So uh, if you can, bring those by. We've got a couple other cool events. Don't forget about Christmas Eve. Invite people to church. Um, yeah, that I think that's good. That's three announcements. Fins up. Let's get ready for church. Everybody online, welcome. So glad to have you with us. And we're getting ready to hop back into worship. It's been great all morning. It'll be uh, just as fun with you. And then we're starting a brand new series today on the book of Ruth. It's a, it's an Advent series. So we'll be in Ruth chapter one today. So, uh, get ready for that. You want to get your Bibles and get comfortable and get a coffee. Cause here we go. Woo. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> it's great to see all your faces, hear your voices. Always love getting to be around you as relationships are growing and as we're leaning on each other and encouraging one another. I'm going to tell you guys what we'll be attempting to do. In case you didn't know, we start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classes. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are beginning um, our Advent series, and uh, it's based in the book of Ruth, but we're talking about parallels between Ruth and the, the Advent story. Before we get into any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We love your presence, Papa. We thank you for meeting with us. And Papa, we thank you for the great privilege it is to gather together corporately and to celebrate you. We thank you for all the ways that you've shown us you are near to us this week. And we praise you because we know you will do it again next week. Papa, as we begin our new series, 
We want to know you better. So would you help us to keep our hearts and our ears open so we can see and receive your good word for us so we can understand and know you more. We love you so much, Papa, and we thank you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the deeds of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son, Jesus Christ, came among us in great humility. That on the last day when he will come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to life immortal through him who lives and reigns with you and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, This is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning, and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We are going to enter now into our time of worship together, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we elevate Jesus in our midst today. We're going to see the words show up on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Come thou long expected Jesus.
There was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake the veil was torn. But sacrifice was made as the heavens rose.
He who was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child like the least of us Behold Him Jesus Son of God
Cause you are worthy of it all You are worthy of it all From you are all things For from you are all things To you are all things You deserve the glory You are worthy of it all. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. Oh, from you are all things. you Lord you're so good God we worship you and we are so thankful for this time of worship in your presence and Lord as we're here in your presence I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word Lord God would you anoint the words that are spoken to us that are taught to us use those words God to stir up our hearts towards you and Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children today. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, everyone. Today we are going to talk about how everybody matters to the Lord. King David wrote a psalm. It's, it's called Psalm 139, and it's a song to the Lord. And he, in it, he praised God, who knows everybody completely and who sees, right, who's always with us. In this psalm, David said, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, Lord. You know everything I think about. You know when I travel and when I rest. You know everything about me. Even before I say a word, you know it already, right? He said, I, where can I go to escape from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? 
everywhere I go, Lord, you are there, right? That's what he said to, to the Lord. And then he, end, he said, you created me. You formed me in my mother's womb. And then this is our Bible verse, verse 139, chapter 139, verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. It's okay. I have it in my head. (laughs) And he said, you knew me. And saw me before I was born. You knew what all my days would be like, right? And you planned out all my days. And then King David finished his psalm by saying this prayer. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and see what worries me. See if I am doing wrong and lead me, right, on the right path forever. Everybody you meet matters. God created them and God cares for them very much, right? So much so that he sent his son, Jesus, right, to save us. And as we love God and as we follow him, he wants us to love others and to show respect to everyone. Can you guys do that? Yes, say yes, or raise your hand. Yes, yay, good, good, excellent. So now we're going to say the Bible verse together. Are you guys ready to repeat after me? Okay, Psalm 139, 14. Psalm 139, 14. Good. I praise you. Because I am fearfully, because I am fearfully and wonderfully, and wonderfully made. 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 Your works, your works are wonderful. wonderful. Are wonderful. wonderful. I know that. I know that. Full well. Full well. well. Excellent. Excellent. That's right. There you go. You Good job, kids. Thank you. Kids are getting a sticker because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hang on, we're going to pray. And before that, wait, will you guys help me sing happy birthday? It's my daughter's birthday, yeah. Sarah is her name, my daughter. Yeah, your mommy, yeah. So we're going to sing her happy birthday, all right? You guys ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. Excellent job, guys. Good job. All right, hang on. We're going to pray. Come back. Okay, we're going to pray. Okay, so let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Ready? Father in heaven, we are so grateful, Lord God, that you care for us and that you know everything about us and love us, Lord. I pray that all the kids will know, Lord God, that everywhere they go, you are with them, Lord God. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Amen. 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 Have fun.
All right. Welcome to the Vineyard. Very glad to have you with us today. And uh, as we finish out our Thanksgiving week, yes. and always good to come and give thanks to the Lord. So grateful for that and for you guys to be here. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy to have you as well. And uh, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code that I just popped up on the screen is for you. Point your smart device at it, and you'll get a link to our digital connect card. And uh, there you can... I don't know why I lost that link. Hang on. That was weird. What? Didn't work? Wait. Oh, now we're, I'm probably fighting somebody, and we're both going in different directions. Hang on. There it is. Uh, that card will uh, give you our digital connect card, name, phone number, email address. And then, uh, yeah, after that, um, yeah, you'll get, let us keep going because I'm, I'm kind of lost. I've lost my uh, screen things. Uh, we're going to pray for our neighbors. That's something that we do here uh, every week to reinforce what I've asked you to do every day. And uh, what the thing I ask you to do every day is, is Pray for those people that are around you. So let's focus in and think about a couple of your neighbors and let's go to the Lord. Uh, Papa, we lift up our neighbors to you. We ask God that you would draw them to you, that those who don't know you would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And help us to be good neighbors, God, to love our neighbors well. You are such an awesome God. And Lord, bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and as their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep that. That is a huge ministry, daily praying for your neighbors. So keep it up. Just keep making it a habit that will have a tremendous impact in the world around us. So it is uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, I tell you all the time how thankful I am for your generosity. One of the things that we do throughout the years, we partner with a ministry called Convoy of Hope. Um, we, uh, every week, partner with them in, in feeding school children, uh, and we particularly help in a, in a group in, in a school in Haiti that we've uh, picked out so that the children can go and get fed. And uh, Convoy of Hope also does incredible things. When there's disasters, they go, and we always financially support them to those things. We do as a group. And they also do these wonderful things where they empower women. They, they sort of help women all over the world to start businesses, to bless their families. Uh, and uh, they also teach farmers uh, best sort of practical things for farming. So we've been doing that, partnering with lots of churches uh, to make that happen. And Convoy of Hope sent a video for you. They made a video to say, hey, we wanted to say thank you to your group. Would you please pray it? So we're going to try and make that happen and see if this works now. Here we go. Hey, Key Vineyard, I just wanted to take a moment to personally say thank you. Thank you for your amazing generosity. God has used your giving to empower a global movement of compassion, which has truly been remarkable. Thank you for your trust in Convoy of Hope. 2022 has been a miraculous year of hope. Because of our partnership with you, Convoy of Hope has reached more hurting people and brought them more hope than ever before, and that hope is measurable. Together with you this year, we've fed 465,000 children every school day in 30 different countries. We've empowered and equipped over 35,000 women and girls, trained 23,000 farmers in sustainable best practices, and responded to more than 65 disasters. And together, we've served over 29 million people. Together, we're bringing light to dark places and delivering hope to people who need it most. 
So on behalf of everyone at Convoy of Hope, every farmer trained, every woman and girl empowered, every disaster survivor, and every child fed, thank you. Yeah, so thank you. Good job, guys. Thank you for being such a generous group. I'm always amazed at how we can be a a small group in really a very small place and yet make a difference all over the world and uh, how God takes generosity and does those things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. Um, We're going to start a new series today called The Little Town of Bethlehem, little phrase I coined that no one else has ever used. And... um, so original. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, it's an Advent series, uh, and so we're in the first weekend of Advent, which is four weekends long, building up to Christmas. Uh, and generally in Advent, we talk about hope and joy and peace and love, and we'll work those into this message as well. But I thought it would be fun to go back and grab an Old Testament story that has some great parallels to the Christmas story, so you can see how involved God is in everything and how cool that process is. So we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to be in Ruth chapter 1 this week, uh, and, and um, we're going to do chapter 2, 3, and 4 over the next few weeks. If you get a chance, please read them ahead of time, and then we'll come ready to go, okay? So... Uh, so let's do the jokes real quick so we can press in and get going. Uh, what do you call a Roman emperor with a cold? A Julius Sneezer. Yeah. Okay, okay, well, no, that's okay. None of the groups have liked that. No, but this, my personal favorite, is about okay. to happen. What do turkeys say on Thanksgiving? Moo. Yeah. The smart ones, anyway. Yeah. My personal favorite here. Yes, I kept this one in for you. Thank you. What do sweet potatoes wear to bed? Yammies. Yammies. Ta-da. That was thank you, Pastor Billy. Yeah. Awesome. All right, please pray for us and uh, lead us in the reading of the word. Let's refocus and and pray. But first of all, how many of you all have had pie for breakfast like every day this week? Because that's the best part of Thanksgiving for me, right, is the extra pie. Just wanted to share that. All right, let's pray. Papa, thank you for this week that we've had and for the week coming up. And Lord, I pray the wonder of the Advent season would just just be in front of us as we study your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we know you came as a humble king. When you return, you will be our mighty warrior. And we pray for that day in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can sit.
All right. I turned my microphone on too early and you heard me swallow, perhaps. Sorry about that. I usually try and have it off for that moment, but I put it back on. So, uh, Ruth, the Gospel of Ruth, why here? The Christmas story, and most of you know the Christmas story, and, and, uh, and actually in the Bible, um, there's not a whole lot of material on the Christmas story. There's uh, Matthew chapter 2, sort of, and Luke chapter 2, and a little bit here and a little bit there, but... Um, and, and also over time, we have sort of compressed the story into pieces that, that so we can sort of manage. And then we have, like in our nativity scene, a lot of times you'll have the shepherds there and you'll also have the wise men in your nativity scene. And we start to get the idea all that happened at once. But the reality is the shepherds were, were there, uh, there in the manger. But the wise men, they, they didn't get there for about two years, uh, pretty much the way the scripture reads. They weren't all there at the same time. By the time the wise men show up, they've moved from the, you know, the manger into a house, from the barn into a house. And things are different. And it probably wasn't just three wise men. It was probably a whole group of people who came for safety's sake. There was three gifts. Uh, that were presented, and that's where we sort of got that. And then, you know, if you ever look on the internet, there's a lot of stuff about, well, you know, December 25th isn't the day anyway, and I, I, it probably isn't, and yet I always say, look, it's the one day when most of the world will sort of celebrate Jesus, so let's not mess that up. Jump in, and who cares really? It's the idea that we're, we're going after. And so, all of these are happening at Christmas. But there's this uh, story I thought we could dig into just to do something different this year, which is in the book of Ruth, which really parallels in amazing ways the Christmas story. And there's a lot of reasons why that, that happens, and I think you'll enjoy looking at uh, the comparisons as we go. Uh, so I, I often think of Ruth as sort of Christmas in July. That helps anybody. It's kind of a great way to get ready for Christmas. It's an early sort of... Uh, picture of what's going to happen. And I love that, that, you know, in the Old Testament, there are many, many things that foreshadow the events in the New Testament, and you need to get used to looking for them. So let me start by saying that it's not a coincidence that both these stories take place in Bethlehem. That's what ties them together. The Christmas story, Bethlehem, this story, the story of Ruth, uh, takes place in Bethlehem as well. So what's Bethlehem all about? What do we need to know about Bethlehem? Quick look at that. Alice in the scripture reading in Matthew, um, Matthew had, had this verse in that little passage that Alice read, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come uh, for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. It's a, it's a story. It's a picture of Jesus coming, uh, and it's there in Micah many, many years before it happened, and that ties this idea of Bethlehem being the spot where that's going to happen. And so really, uh, the, the scripture gives Bethlehem a lot of credence, because that's, a, that's the major event that's going to happen. And Bethlehem is a, a small town, about five plus, a little bit over five miles away from Jerusalem. Um, I am told, I haven't seen it, but I'm told that uh, on a clear day, you can be in Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives and you can see the hills in Bethlehem. And so they're not very far away. Um, Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. And in the Hebrew stories, in the Old Testament stories, when you're reading them, you need to look for names of people and names of places because they often have tremendous significance to the story. And Bethlehem is like that. It means house of bread, the way that's written out. And so you need to hang on to that. You also need to know that throughout the Bible, bread 
has a very major symbolic impact. And so when you read about bread, you need to see if more is going on, because bread is sort of the, the sustainer of life around the globe and has been for a long time. It's one of those main foods that people need to have. And then Jesus equates himself to bread. In John 6, he says, you know, I am the bread of life. And in John 6, 51, that was verse 35, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. So there's these ties and these pictures of things that are happening. Some other cool things about Bethlehem that you need to see uh, there in the story that we're going to look at in Ruth is a picture of the Gentiles being married into the Jewish family. Uh, and in our last series, we talked a lot about you know, the, the nations and how in Genesis 10, 11, and 12, we see the story involved where there are 70 nations that are under the authority of the lesser Elohim, but God keeps one nation for himself, Israel, from whom comes Jesus, and through whom all nations will ultimately be blessed. That means that through Israel, there's going to be a way back for everyone to be reconciled to God. It's kind of a picture here of, of that sort of marriage that we talk about taking place. That's in the story. Uh, and so there's some cool things that are happening when it comes to bread, house of bread, Bethlehem, and their bigger story. All right, so have that in mind, because that's where this whole thing takes place. And let me introduce you to some of the people in the story, because this is a really, really cool thing that we get. And we'll meet most of the main characters this week, uh, and we get one more next week in the story, and we see how it all begins to tie together and continues. I need another sip of coffee. And I swallowed before I turned the mic on. So that was good. So one of my hopes, uh, because I tell you all the time about the importance of reading the Bible for yourself, is that when you read it, uh, you don't just kind of rush through it or skip over it. You have to really try and, you know, first pray and ask Holy Spirit to help, because He does. But then you have to put yourself in the mindset of the people to whom it was originally written. Um, you know, the Bible is written for us, but it wasn't written to us. So you have to kind of, it was written, you know, most of it a couple thousand years ago, so, or older. So it was written to certain groups of people with certain perspectives and certain worldviews and certain mindsets. And, and so Ruth is, is certainly written to uh, the people of Israel a long time ago, but they would pick up cues through the story that we might miss because we're, we're not thinking more like they do. So we need to learn to slow down and kind of wonder, does that mean something? Is something going on? So I'm going to do through the first five verses, but we'll, we'll sort of take a time going through it and pick up some of the cool things in the story. In the days when the judges ruled, Ruth 1.1. Now, that would immediately tie the readers to the book just preceding this one, the time and the period of Judges. And Judges was not a great time in the history of Israel. Uh, there was a lot of mess and chaos. And in the last chapter of Judges, in Judges 21, it ends in a very ominous way by saying that, that because there was no king in Israel, there was no leader, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that might sound okay, but that is not okay by any stretch of the imagination because... That's a very selfish way to live, and it was causing havoc throughout uh, Israel and the people of Israel. So uh, a person who was reading this would go, mm, oh, in the days of Judges, that's, a, that's definitely not a, wasn't a good time. They would know that. And there was a famine in the land, and so they would kind of get connected to that as well. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, and they would go, oh, Bethlehem, that's weird. There's a famine in the place called the House of Bread. 
Wow, okay, well now we're, the story's coming together, because that's what God does. Together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. That would be another big trigger if you were reading back then, because Moab was not a good place for the people of Israel. Um, for lots of reasons, even the way the Moabites came to be, which is a story you can read about in Genesis with Lot and his daughters, and, and they have historically uh, treated Israel badly. If you go back and look at Deuteronomy, you'd see that while the people of Israel were wandering, the Moabites refused to give them bread and water in their time of need, refused. And, and so the person that was, this was written to, the people would know that, and they would go, well, that's a poor choice going to the place that, because there is no bread, going to a place that's denied you bread in the past, which is also extremely evil, and the little G, lesser Elohim, are a huge mess, causing problems everywhere, probably not a great decision. So so lots of things happen in here, just in this first sort of verse, uh, that you would pick up on if you were reading. The man's name was Elimelech. Now, you would stop there, because the Hebrew names have meaning, and Elimelech means my God is king. If you're like me, you would stop there because as every time you read the book of Elimelech, you go, Elimelech, 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 Elimelech. And then you keep running it over in your mind and all of a sudden you've got people joining you and the, you're doing a production number on stage with the staff going, Elimelech, my God is king. So if your God is king, you should trust him, right? And they're, they're going, ooh, that's interesting. His wife's name was Naomi. Well, that's a nice, Naomi's a nice name. It means sweet, pleasant. Oh, that's pretty good. You like that. The names of their two sons were Malon and Kilion. Now, uh, I don't know why they named their children this, because Malon means sick and Kilion means failing. So they, that must not have been a... It's really not a good thing to name your kids sick and failing. This is my God is king, his wife pleasant, and their children sick and failing. Oh, nice to meet you all. And they were all Ephratites. They're from Bethlehem, the house of bread in Judah. And, and so they went to Moab and lived there. So you're shaking your head if you're reading this because you're going, well, this is a bad situation. They're leaving the house of bread to go to the place that's denied them bread. Uh, this is not going to turn out well. And they would be right because in verse 3 it says, Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. She was left with her two sons. They go to Moab. He should have not have gone to Moab. He gets there. Boom, he's, he's dead. But she's got her two sons. And uh, the two sons marry Moabite women. One named Orpah, which means back of the neck. And the other, Ruth, uh, which means friend or companion. And so, sick, uh, he marries friend or companion, and failing, marries back of the neck. <laughs> They're there ten years, and they have no children. That's significant in the story. And people reading it would go, because lineage, children, in the history of Israel is huge. And it's the sons. You've got to have sons to carry on the, line, line, uh, the family line, because that's how property goes and everything happens. Everything that matters happens through the lineage. And, and so they'd lived there about ten years. Uh-oh, both sick and failing also die. And Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. That's about as bad a situation for a woman in Israel as you can get. Desperate. No, no husband. She's older. No way she can have more kids. She's got a big problem. And, uh, and so all this is going on. And Naomi hears that um, there's some food back where she came from. And she decides she's got to go back because everybody that she came with is, 
is gone, and she doesn't, she's a mess. She doesn't know what to do. And so she tells her daughter-in-laws, look, I'm heading back to Israel, and they, uh, Bethlehem, and they say, no, we want to go with you. And she says, look, you don't want to go with me, and, and if you read this story, which I hope you do, you'll see her say, what am I supposed to do, have children for you to have husbands? Because that's how that situation would normally have been fixed. She says, I'm too old. And they don't get that. They're from Moab. But they argue back and forth for a while, and uh, finally, Orpah, back of the neck, she does exactly that. She turns and goes back to Moab to be with her people and with her little G-gods. But Ruth refuses. Ruth will not go back. Ruth clings to Naomi, and finally Naomi says, fine, you can come with me, but there's nothing we can do. It's a big, it's a big mess. She is, uh, Naomi's in a terrible spot right now. It's about as Eeyore as you can get, uh, if you catch the reference, okay? And... Uh, and so they head back to Bethlehem. Now, uh, the encounter uh, and the conversation that Ruth and Naomi have, we're going to get back to because it's key. But I want you to see what happens here as they go. So they decide to go back to Bethlehem. So now it's Naomi and Ruth. They're going back to Bethlehem. And uh, the people in town recognize Naomi when she shows up. And they go running out. And they go, Naomi, Naomi, so good to see you. And this is her response. You can tell she's not in a good place. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Don't call me sweet. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. That's what Mara means. It means bitter. And and she says, why? I went away full. I had a son, and I had two sons, a husband and two sons. I was set. Um, But the Lord brought me back empty. So she's sort of forgotten that there was no food, which is why they left. And they were in a bad economic way. But that's why she goes, why call me pleasant? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Oftentimes when things don't go the way that we want them to go, we might have a tendency to blame God for those things. This is pretty common. We talked about that in our last series. And I said that's misplaced. God's good. Um, it's, it's When things aren't good, it's not coming from God. Don't blame Him for it. It's the enemy and all the things that are going on and consequences of poor decisions, which the whole story set up as. But she's in that spot where she's blaming God at the moment. I get that, and people do that. And read the Psalms. It's, it's full of those things. But there's more to the story that's going on here. And it reminded me of a, in, in Proverbs, Proverbs 13. Uh, there's a, a passage out of the hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's what she is. She's just a picture of being heart sick. And, and I think when I say it like that, you can relate. You know what it, what it is to be heart sick. It's, it's things haven't gone the way you wanted. You're, you're, you're broken. You're hurting. You're not sure what's going to happen. There's fear. There's anxiety. There's worry. There's all these things that are going on. But the rest of that proverb is, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and what, what Naomi doesn't know is that God is actively at work in this situation, which is true of all of our situations. See, the story doesn't end here. But I want to hop back to a conversation that Naomi and Ruth have on before they come to Bethlehem. And what happens here is a life-changing commitment of faith, which is a really significant thing, a life-changing commitment of faith. Let me read you what happens. Verse 16, Ruth replies... Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. That's a huge commitment that she's making. Just not only to Naomi, but she's making a commitment to God. 
And that's what you're reading there. And she, she backs it up. She says, where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. She's saying, I'm all in, and I'm going to not only serve you, I'm going to serve your God forever for the rest of my life. I am turning my back on the, the ways of the previous life that I've had. Uh, I'm turning my back against the little G-gods of Moab and all of their mess. And I'm coming with you, and I want to serve the one true God. I'm coming with you to Bethlehem. And so there's this life-changing commitment that you need to see there that really changes things. And, and it makes a big difference as she commits to serving the Lord for the rest of her, her life in this story. Um, when I read about this, I'm reminded of another young woman's life-changing commitment of faith uh, that ultimately changes the world. And, and that's one of the connections to the Christmas story. It's about Mary in the New Testament. And, and so, you know, Mary uh, is visited by an angel with a word from the Lord. And, and Mary is very young, teenager. You, we don't often think of that. I mean, young teenager, all right? In Israel, 13, 14, 15, 16, somewhere, very, very young. Uh, and I, we don't think about it this much either. But, you know, most of the disciples, they figure, were teenagers as well because of their life situation. You're like, oh my gosh, we left this in the hands of teenagers? Yes. So, um, go figure. The angel comes to Mary, and she, uh, the angel says this. He says, the angel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You'll have found favor with God. I love the angels. I love angels start conversations with don't be afraid. And you know why, right? Because generally when an angel shows up, what you do is you wipe out on the floor. Because it's, ah! And they have to go right off, don't be afraid. So off they go. Uh, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Uh, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. The, his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, uh, and, uh, she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. That's a big verse. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So, so Mary not only believes in this word that God gives her through the angel, she submits to it in, in obedience. And she says, yes, I will go. God, I will do what you ask. I will follow. And even though it was going to be so difficult, like the consequences of this action were, were, could be huge. You know, um, Joseph, she was betrothed to Joseph and he knew it wasn't his baby. And that could have been a huge public humiliation had it worked out that way. Um, she could have easily been shunned by her community and her family, uh, putting herself in great personal risk and harm. But she says, you know, God, she makes this life-changing commitment of faith to God and says, I'm just going to go and I'm going to move in the direction that you call me to. And, and one of the things I think of in this story is for us, and one of the things we can take out of the story is is for us to really, to make a difference in the world, it all starts with this life-changing commitment to God. That, that there's a point in our lives when we say, God, I'm yours, all in, I'm going to follow after you. And, and it's this commitment, this choice, this faith that makes a difference. And it's also really important, though, with your faith, that you have your hope in the right spot. 
because the two go together. And, and, and so, you know, in this story, hope's on the horizon. One of the things we talk about here a lot is I try and anchor your hope on purpose in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, where it should be, where you have the great story of the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to earth, and earth is renewed and restored and recreated, and we get new physical bodies, resurrected bodies, and we're going to dwell with God forever here on this planet the way it was supposed to be, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. I mean, we have this awesome hope. We have a cool life now because we've engaged in that part already because of what Jesus has done. But this hope is on the horizon. Well, in this story, uh, at the end of the first chapter, it's just like that. There's hope on the horizon, but you have to be looking for it. So Naomi's a mess, and she's hurting, and she's in a really bad spot, as we saw. But I love how this last verse ends. Now, uh, verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And there's, that's the hope. See, they're back to the house of bread. There had been no bread, but now there's bread. Bread is on the way. The barley harvest is beginning. That's the hopeful thing that's going on. And even though Naomi can't connect with it yet, she will, and it's going to begin to change everything. Bread is on the way. So what are some of the parallels here in this first chapter? Because it's, it's kind of cool. And I hope you'll look for them and develop more. I'm not giving you all. There's a whole lot of them that are happening. So um, one of them is that the book of Ruth begins in the time of Judges when there was no king in Israel. The Christmas story is about Jesus who's born uh, as the real king and he's engaged and enters the scene. Uh, the book of Ruth begins with a famine. In the land, there is no bread in Bethlehem, and the Christmas story begins with Jesus, the bread of life, engaging, bread is back in Bethlehem. Uh, And so that's very cool. And then the book of Ruth, it's about a young woman who makes a life-changing commitment to God, and then goes to Bethlehem and has a child who impacts the world. I'm going to give you a sneak into that child, in case you don't know the connection. So um, we'll find out that Ruth and Boaz are going to get together. It's kind of a love story uh, in, the, in the next couple of chapters. And they're going to have a child. And that child's name is Obed. And Obed's going to have a child named Jesse. And Jesse's going to have a child named David. And that's King David, who's in the line of Jesus. And so you start to see the family connections that are happening back here that are taking us to Jesus. So the story of Ruth, as I said, about a young woman, makes a life-changing commitment to God, goes to Bethlehem, has a child that's going to change things. Well, guess what the Christmas story is about? A young woman who makes a life-changing commitment to God, goes to Bethlehem, and has a child that does indeed change the world. And that's the one that we celebrate at Christmas. That's Jesus. So all of these things are tying together, and um, I, I think it's neat how it happens, and I hope you read it and see more, and there's even more that will develop over the next few weeks. Next week, please go and read Ruth chapter 2 before you come back. It'll help as we're talking. And you're going to read about a guy named Boaz. And let me just say this. Boaz is a really good dude. In the scripture, it's not as, you know, a lot of them are a big mess. Boaz, he's a good one. And you're going to watch how he impacts the story and the things that he does. But we're going to end it there for today. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure that you get it. But let me say this. Um, the Christmas story, it, 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 it just 
calls us into a bigger story. That's Jesus' story. And he invites us to join him in that story. And the way that we respond to that invitation is we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you've never done it, do it right now. It's absolutely the best decision you will ever make in your life. It's really, it's a kind of a simple prayer of faith that gets things started. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And it's a life changer. And, and it's where things can really begin to make a difference, not only for you, but in the people all around you. So I'd encourage you to pray that prayer and get this part of your life started in him today. Amen. Boaz is a good dude. Yes. Is that, is that a scripture reference? That's, yeah, I can show you that in the scripture. <laughs> Next week, you'll see chapter 2. Oh, I can't It's verse 1. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> if you need hope, man, it's on the horizon, especially yes. during this Advent season. So grab a hold of it and ask the Lord to open your eyes to it. Let's just pray for hope today. Papa, we thank you for the words you've given us today and for being with us in our worship. And I pray that no matter what our circumstance is, Father, we would find hope. Father, it would just walk before our eyes and we would see your provision in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, church. I'm going to thank you. Conway of Hope did earlier, but I thank you as well for your amazing generosity, your faithfulness to giving, offering, tithing. Thank you. How cool it is, as I said, to be part of a group that not only impacts their local community, but makes a difference all over the world. Thank you. Very, very cool. And oh, let's sing doxology, and we'll dismiss. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Ministry will get over there in a second. We're going to get these doors open for you as well, so you can head out that way. On your way out, Presence of Paradise, that group we partner with. Every year for local Christmas presents, there's little index cards. If you want to get involved, grab one of those, get an appropriate gift, bring it back by the 11th. Or gift cards are cool. They use them in the right ways for the kids. That's out there as well. Bye, guys. God bless you. And goodbye, everybody online. I'm so glad that you have us. Maybe that's working. We'll see. We'll see you all soon. Hey, guys, where do the Dolphins play today? The Houston Texans. Where do they play? Miami. <gasps> Yay! And guess what? I think Dolphins are probably going to win because yeah. Houston has a single win and eight losses in oh. one time. That's oh, my goodness. Sad. Well, I hope oh. they don't take it for granted, yes. though. Yes. Fins up, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye.